morning, everyone, and welcome to the Process Podcast. My name is Ben Schultz, and today I'm going to be talking about uh, the playoffs, the Wizards versus the Sixers. So this is a new season, fresh start to the podcast, where we're going to be looking at the playoffs specifically, hopefully tracking the Sixers on their way to the championship run. But as we've seen, not everything is sunshine and rainbows, even in this one versus eight series against the Washington Wizards. We lost last night, and I honestly predicted this to go 4-1, so I'm not all that surprised that the Wizards were able to take a game off of us. I just think the manner in which it went down was a little bit upsetting and really frustrating for Sixers fans, especially when the win was was right in our grasp, we had momentum, and then the Wizards resorted to a tactic that I hadn't even really anticipated, which was intentionally fouling Ben Simmons and developing a lead from there. And that's really frustrating to me as a Sixers fan, and we can get into that a little bit later. Um, But I want to talk about the series as a whole, because we've seen the Sixers really dominate. We've seen them play incredibly well, particularly at home. I think we're going to be really, really tough to beat in the playoffs. And having those first two games at home can hopefully let us develop a lead. I'm liking how the Sixers are playing. Obviously, in the last series, or excuse me, the last game of the series, Embiid was out so there's there's a little bit of sort of ambiguity as to how that would have gone if Embiid would have played and I think we probably would have won so we're just hoping that Embiid is healthy by the next time we're going to come back home have our own fans in our own building and I fully anticipate this to be a 4-1 I think we should still be confident I think we're still a lot better than the Wizards and they're not a bad team they made some lineup adjustments that I think worked in their favor They put a little um, size in their starting lineup, which does not bode too, too well for the Sixers. Uh, We did see Seth Curry guarding Davis Bertans quite a lot, which is not the ideal matchup if you're a Sixers fan. Bertans does have a a pretty significant size advantage over Seth Curry. Um, So lots of interesting adjustments for the Wizards. I think the adjustments that the Wizards made were smart. They kind of said, we're throwing you know everything we can at the Sixers. And I don't know if this was a, a pride decision. I don't know if this was just, hey, we want to prove we can take a game, or if this is really like, let's turn the series around and win it. Uh, I like to think it's more the former. I, I think this, this Wizards team, if especially they get down by 10, 15, by the half or the third quarter, they're going to roll over pretty easily and we're going to take the series. So that's, that's my thoughts. I did expect this to be a 4-1, so I'm not really too concerned about the loss. Um, what I am concerned about right now is a couple of things, and this is sort of the greater arc of the Sixers' playoff run, because we're not looking at the Wizards series right now. We're looking at the entirety of the playoffs and potentially making a run to the championship. So my biggest fears right now have to be the Ben Simmons incident, which I alluded to earlier. He got intentionally fouled by the Wizards, And he's been terrible at the line. Usually Ben Simmons is, at least this season, semi-reliable at the line, maybe making two of every three. But he's not even going one for two. He's doing atrociously at the line. And that's really hurting our team to the point where I'm concerned that any other team could look at this and last night's incidents and just repeat it whenever they're down in clutch situations. And it even questions whether or not we can play Ben Simmons in, in the clutch situation, I mean, obviously, if we're up by 10, 15, teams aren't going to resort to intentionally fouling. But if it's a three-point game and we're coming into the fourth quarter, there's obviously going to be some some tactics, some tricks to try and foul Ben Simmons. And this is something that any team could feasibly do. Um, unless Ben Simmons, of course, fixes his free throws, 
and starts to make them. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't have a lot of confidence in the guy shooting at the line, and I never have. So the question becomes, well, how do we avoid this? How do we get around this? Do we just sub off Ben Simmons? Um, and what would that do for his confidence? You know, if we sub out our best defensive guy, would that be worth it? And would that be worth it for his confidence? Uh, so that's that's really the biggest concern I have right now. Because obviously, yeah, one game, you know, more or less you can shake off. And there were some good things. There was Tyrese Maxey who played incredibly well. I actually thought, you know, guys like Danny Green and Tobias were gritting and grime. And even Ben Simmons had a great game with the exception of his performance at the line. So, yeah, I am a little concerned about Ben Simmons. And I think, you know, all the Sixers fans right now should be because any team that we play in a close game could foul Ben Simmons. And the fate is really out of the team's hands. It's just in Ben Simmons' hands. And it's in the hands of Ben Simmons' free throw more specifically, which is a really scary place to have the fate of a close playoff game. It's very scary. The other guy I want to talk about who's been struggling a little bit is Shake Milton. And uh, Milton has been a really solid bench player for us. He's probably averaged around 13, 14 points this season, which is not insignificant, especially coming off the bench. So I look at a guy like Shake Milton in the playoffs, and he's, he's disappeared a little bit. His minutes are probably down. He's got to compete for minutes with guys like Maxie and George Hill, but he's definitely an asset to us. So my only question here is, well, what is this guy going to do going forward? Because the way I saw it, you know, in the buildup to the playoffs in the regular season is Shake Milton was kind of our, our star bench player, along with Dwight Howard. They would run the pick and roll. Shake was a reliable ball scorer off the bench. He could give you 10 points and that'd be a great night. You know, and he's not the best three-point shooter, but he's become a driver and become pretty good for mid-range as well. But you just haven't seen him do that kind of thing, maybe in spurts. But it, for me, it's found like it's tough for him to get in his rhythm. And I don't know if that's because we've got too many ball handlers out there on the floor. If there's one flaw that you could immediately recognize with the Sixers bench is that it's small. You've got Maxi Thibel, Furkan, Hill, and Milton all competing for minutes. And let's be fair, those guys are guards. No, I don't think any of those guys are true forwards. And then you got Dwight Howard, who's, who's you know, a center. But that's a small bench. That is a bench with not a lot of power forwards, small forwards. It's mostly guards. So you have to really compete for minutes if you're Milton, Maxey, or Hill. And we're not really sure. Like, we, we, I can't really sit and tell you which one of those guys is the best option. George Hill, I kind of like because he's a little bit better from three. He's also smart. He doesn't do anything dumb. He doesn't try and be the, the star of the show. So I think, honestly, if I were to choose between Milton and Hill at this moment in time, I would have more confidence in Hill. Hill's done this before. He's been to the playoffs. Milton is the kind of guy who has had you know an incredible season. I think his potential could be better than Hill's. But it's a question about reliability at this point, especially if you're a bench guy. You know, Milton is the kind of guy who may pop off for like 25 points if he has an incredible night. But I don't think the playoffs really suits bench players doing that well. So a lot of variables up in the air for Shake Milton. I've been a little disappointed with how he's played in this series, but I think it's less of a concern than the Ben Simmons thing because here's a guy that's just maybe got an unfavorable matchup. Like I said, we have a really small bench. If the Wizards throw out bigger guys on their bench, which they do have, they've got like a lot of centers back there. Davis Bertans is, is a bigger bench player. That's going to cause some trouble for a guy like Shake Milton, who suddenly has a guy who's three or four inches taller guarding him. So that's definitely why you can, you know, expect some problems for Shake 
at least in this series. Now, if we run into maybe the Hawks, you know, I don't know. Is their bench all that bigger or smaller than ours? You know, I don't know their bench player for player. I don't know who's going to be in that rotation. Um, but, you know, there's definitely some variability from team to team on Milton's success. And that might be what's causing him to have a little bit of a dry spell here in the Wizards series. The last thing I want to talk about, or maybe not the last thing, but one of the last things, has to be the fans and just the idiotic fans. Because there's a certain part of me that really embraces fans being rowdy and supporting and even a little bit of heckling here and there. I actually had the privilege to go to the Washington Wizards Sixers game. It was the second game of the series. And, you know, there were people, there were drunk people heckling, let's be honest. There were people, you know, calling Bradley Beal, you know, names or whatnot, but nothing malicious, nothing hurtful, nothing vulgar. It was just, you know, hey, Bradley, like, you know, when he's at the free throw line, which is, you know, in my opinion, perfectly fine. You're meant to distract people when they're at the free throw line. It's one of the most basic things that NBA fans do. But then there's the instances that cross the line. And I, you know, I put any kind of racial slur into that category. I put any kind of popcorn throwing, any kind of fans rushing, spitting, all these things that all these things that have been coming out happening across the NBA. And I think the most disappointing thing for me is, you know, if one fan does this in one city, the entire fan base gets labeled with that incident. And that's not really fair because I know the Sixers fans already don't have the best reputation, but to whatever idiot decided to throw popcorn on Russell Westbrook, like that's only further tarnishing the reputation. And maybe it's a little funny for like two seconds, but if you look at the backlash that that fan faced, it's not worth it. Like, just use your head in the moment. And the same thing for the Wizards fan that decided to rush the stage or rush the court last night. That was a dumb decision. And it happens. It's the playoffs. People are rowdy. People are excited. But I think the funniest thing for me about that fan from Washington last night is if you look back, that fan was wearing a mask. And I thought to myself, well, here's a guy that has enough common sense to wear a mask, but he doesn't have enough common sense to keep himself off the court, which is just, you know, ridiculous to me that somebody would just you know, get themselves probably banned for life from that arena. Um, it's very disappointing to me. I, I wish that I wish the fan base would kind of, you know, smarten up a little bit and I get, Hey man, people are drinking, people are doing dumb stuff, but you know, what crosses the line and you know that, you know, whatever that two seconds of fame, that one media headliner of you being a dumbass is not going to be worth it for the general fandomship or for you personally, because that's going to be bad. I mean, people are going to get their tickets suspended. They're going to be banned from stadiums for life. Uh, that's that's a really tough that's a really tough way to go out. And it's not just the NBA where this happens. I mean, fans rush soccer stadiums. Fans rush, you know, football or any 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 sport. Maybe football less so, but definitely soccer. And you see it in other sports. It's it's always the fans that are just too drunk and they don't know what to do and they make a dumb decision. Um, so. Am I happy about it? No. Is it a little bit funny? Yeah. But is the general trend of where this is going good? No, absolutely not. We need to fix this. We need to make sure that the Sixers fandomship is not being further tarnished. It's okay to be a little gritty. It's okay to be a little rowdy. It's okay to get in people's grills if they're shooting a free throw shot. Like that's part of the that's part of the game. Uh, but I think just, you know, pissing people off. Would you spit on somebody in the street? No. Would you throw popcorn on somebody in the street? No. So it's a pretty simple answer for me. Let's clean this up. 
there have been some great memes. I mean, there have been some great memes about these idiot fans. There have been some headliners in the news about these idiot fans. It's a little exciting. It's a, something new, but, you know, that's why I'm talking about it now. If it were boring, I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, but that's what I got to say. So moving on, I just want to conclude right now. I want to talk about just how the Sixers are going to look um, in their next matchup because it looks like the Atlanta Hawks are going to win that series. They are up 3-1 on the New York Knicks right now. But the Knicks, you know, they're a good team. They could pull something out of their behind. They could win this series. So it's still up in the air who are going to play. Um, as far as matchups go, I think the the Hawks are not very strong defensively. Um, I think it's going to be a big shock for them coming from the Knicks series to our series. The Knicks are notably one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive team in the league. So it doesn't surprise me. The, the biggest Achilles heel of the Hawks is their defense, and that's not really exploited when you're dealing with a first-round matchup like the Knicks. So I actually predicted the Hawks were going to win. I said 4-2. I think maybe they'll win 4-1. It's totally possible. I think the Hawks are a big threat. Um, and, you know, we can t- we can see, you know, Trey Young is having a great series. Trey Young is the kind of guy who could compete in the conference semis. And we're definitely looking forward to that matchup in Philly. I think it'll be a fun one to watch. I think Philly should have Atlanta's number. Um, absolutely should have Atlanta's number, but they're not a team to be slept on. Last year, it was a one versus a five. It was the Bucks and the Heat. Nobody thought that the Heat would beat the Bucks, and then lo and behold, they did. So anything can happen in this league, even with the Hawks, who are not perceived to be as strong of a team, or even with the Knicks, who aren't perceived to be as strong of a team. The Sixers, by no means, are going to waltz into this final. And that's one thing that we've seen with the Wizards, too. Like, the Wizards didn't just roll over and die last night. They fought. And that's going to be scary if you're on the Sixers, because it requires you to work that extra bit. Um, I do think there was a lot of, you know, tomfoolery last night with the free throw shooting and the the refs and all this all this nonsense. Um, it's probably better for the league for, to, to prevent the sweep, to let the, the Wizards get one. Um, but as far as the Sixers, it's like, let's win this next game. Let's win at home. We don't really lose on our home court all that often. And, you know, that's kind of what I expect for the Sixers through the rest of the year and through the rest of the series. Um, win at home go 50-50 on the road. If they can do that, I'll be I'll be more than satisfied with, you know, that that result. That will get you a win. Winning at home every time and going 50% on the road. Um or stealing just one game on the road, honestly. If you're the higher seed, let's say we play Brooklyn, let's say we play Milwaukee. We can win all four of those games at home or you know, we win three games at home and we steal one on the road. Like there are tons of scenarios that could guarantee us a win. Um in the series. That's been all for today. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. This is definitely the start of a new playoff series. I was hoping to make this with the, you know, expectation that the Sixers won last night and they won the series and we could have been very positive. And I am still optimistic. I mean, all the negative blunders that I had discussed are really just, you know, little fine points in what has been a great start to the playoffs. You can't deny that the Sixers have played incredibly well. There are some issues to address. There are some things to look at, but the Sixers are playing well. And, you know, when I watched them in person, they were a different team than any Sixers I've ever watched. They looked fluid. They looked like they didn't waste a trip down the floor and they looked, you know, dominant at times. So very impressed with the Sixers. And we're going to keep rolling out these uh, episodes. Hopefully I can bring you another one where the Sixers are winning and have beat the Hawks. Uh, That has been it. 
um, and I beat the Wizards or whoever we whoever we match up against. That has been it. Um, it's been great talking on the podcast and uh, more episodes to come soon. Thanks for listening.